You're listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. Ten years ago, the utilization of AEDs, automatic electronic defibrillators, was a skill taught in CPR classes, but usually only seen in fire stations and hospitals, rarely in the workplace. Now, they're part of the planning in condominiums, golf courses, schools, athletic events, stadiums, restaurants, and even offices. Why? What has changed? And how does this have implications for your practice? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is Dr. Kathleen Schrank. Dr. Schrank is a professor of medicine at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine and chief of the Division of Emergency Medicine for the university. She is also the medical director for the City of Miami Fire Rescue. Today we're discussing the impact on clinical practice of AEDs in the school and in the workplace. Thank you for taking the time from your busy schedule to talk with us today, Dr. Schrank. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me to do this and for presenting a topic that I think has major interest from the public and the professional community towards saving lives. In the last 10 years, great effort and funding was put into place to institute AEDs, automatic electronic defibrillators, in the workplace, government buildings, and even school. But what was the science behind those efforts? As more and more research was done with ventricular fibrillation, which is the most common rhythm for cardiac arrest in adults, it was realized that there are a couple of phases that actually happen during V-fib. The first phase is electrical, and for the first four minutes or five minutes after someone collapses, the heart is much easier to defibrillate than later on. Rescue can't get there that fast. Now, what place in the country would have the most closely watched people at all moments, a study was done in the Las Vegas casinos with AEDs, with automatic defibrillators widely available in the casinos, and the security personnel who are watching those cameras every minute trained to do CPR and to do the shocks. Fascinating because they got a 74% survival from V-fib, and there's even the classic story of the little old man who sat up and said, I want to get back to the table, because he didn't even realize what had happened to him. Their first shock success rates were very, very high, and their neurologic recovery was markedly better than defibrillations that were given later. And similarly, a study was done in the O'Hare Airport and then later in Boston Logan Airport with defibrillators, automatic, used by the public, that found a 41% survival, even when people were grabbing them and using them who hadn't been trained on them. These devices are just very easy to use. They guide you right through it. And we know that getting the shock to the heart as fast as we can really improves survival. Now, for anybody listening who isn't familiar with it, can you describe for us exactly what this device does? Sure. It's an external device, so there are pads that go on the outside of the chest, and it provides an analysis of the patient's rhythm by the machine, which then recommends a shock. If this is a semi-automatic, you have to push a button to give the shock, And if it's an automatic external defibrillator, the machine will say to the rescuer, stand back, stand back, and it will do the shock. Who is spearheading this drive for AEDs in the workplace and the community, and where is the funding coming from? There are multiple organizations trying to make all of us aware of the need for automatic defibrillators. First and foremost is the American Heart Association, but several other not not-for-profit groups are, are working on this as well. The funding has to come from private sources. We really don't have any major governmental funding for this. 
on the federal level or even on the state level. A lot of local governments, though, have approved programs for their schools. Actually, many states have put up funding for public buildings, government buildings. But to deploy these in the workplace, it's generally the owner of the business that is paying for the defibrillators. In some communities like Miami and Miami-Dade County, we were able to get a grant that helps us partner with the employers, whereby the fire rescue departments are able to buy and give defibrillators to local offices or factories, as long as the employer agrees to maintain them, check the batteries, etc., and to allow us to train 10 personnel per company in CPR and AED use. So there are a lot of different resources available for the funding, and there are a lot of different organizations that will help with the training. But it's really important to realize that even with no training, almost anyone can walk up and use this. So corporate America and the public was responsive. Corporate America was very responsive, and the public has been also. Police agencies have also been very responsive. In Miami-Dade County, the cardiologists from University of Miami, like Dr. Rosenberg and Dr. Meyerberg, were able to put AEDs on every police vehicle, not only for use by the police responding to a scene, but the police take their car home at night, and some of their saves were the neighbors and their families with the AEDs that they had in their car. So, again, many programs have been developed, and these have been very, very useful in improving survival. So is this expected to increase hospital survival? Do we have any numbers back on that? We hope that it will continue to increase hospital survival. The studies that have been done, yes, for example, the best one, obviously, was the Las Vegas Casino Project, where the response was very immediate because everyone's on camera. And in a school building, it may take longer to get to the AED, But with early defibrillation, yes, there is an improved survival. More importantly, there is an improved survival of brain recovery so that we're not left with patients that are ending up in vegetative states. Which is what we've seen before. Which is what we've seen way too often and has been the most depressing part of doing cardiac arrest care for a long, long time. You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and I'm speaking with Dr. Kathleen Schrenk, and we're discussing the recent and dramatic changes in CPR by the American Heart Association. Dr. Schrenk, what about the lay public and training? You mentioned how easy they were to use. Is the man in the street grasping what this means? Do people run up and use them, or do they have to be specifically trained? People can walk up and use them, and I think the public is realizing this from television programs and from public safety announcements, public education programs that are going on, around the country. There are many CPR classes available in every community. The best way to do this is obviously to take the whole CPR class because not all defibrillations work and the rest, the chest compressions and ventilations may be needed, in particular the chest compressions. But the CPR class can take four to six hours to do. So again, it's much more important to grab that AED, put it on the patient, call for help, and let the machine do its thing. If it finds V-fib or V-tac, it will shock. If not, it will say, no shock advised, start CPR, and it tells the public to go ahead and start chest compressions. It has pictures. They're available in English and Spanish and many other languages. So it's become very simple to use. And I think especially for people much younger than me, they're much better at walking up, grabbing a device, turning it on, and making it go. Where should AEDs be placed, and aren't they in all physician and dental offices by now? They're not in all physician offices. They are increasingly required 
by the Board of Dentistry in many states. I know in Florida, all dentist offices do have to have AEDs, and my dentist asked me, how come those don't have to be in a medical clinic where I think they have sicker patients than I do? He's right. I think we really need to have these widely deployed, and any, med- any busy medical clinic should have an AED. What about nursing homes? Um, many of those patients are for full resuscitation, and the faster you defibrillate that heart, the better. So, again, waiting for rescue to get there with everything perfect is still going to take four or five minutes, but the AED can deliver a shock within minutes. Schools, athletic areas in particular, we've had lots of examples of unfortunate high school athletes with sudden cardiac arrests, and if only an AED were nearby. The good stories are the ones that were saved by early defibrillation. The sad stories are the ones where either there was no defibrillator or it was locked away in the principal's office and nobody could get it out. If all things could be optimized and funding were available, ideally as you're planning one of these programs in a big public building, you'd like to have an AED within about a three-minute retrieval to get it onto the patient. That's a little impractical, although some of the airports have done that. Most shopping malls and most condo buildings and most schools can't afford that. Again, it's best to have at least one in the building, and if it's not somewhere obvious, then a big sign needs to be in the lobby that says exactly where to find the AED. What about the physicians who don't have one in their office? What's the pros and cons in that? Are, are they liable? Well, it was interesting because when AEDs first started being deployed, we had a lot of physicians that didn't want one in their office because they thought it would increase liability. We had a lot of companies that didn't want to buy them because of the same concern. And it turned out that one of the major tourist attractions here in Florida ended up being sued for not having one and lost the suit. And it was the beginning of the understanding of corporate America that it's better to have these readily available than not. We can be sued for anything, but we have a much more likelihood, much stronger likelihood of winning our case if we try to do everything we can for the patient. So in in physician offices, same thing. These are so easy to use that it's far better to have one in the office than to depend on rescue getting there with their own non-automatic defibrillator because that just uses too much time. We need to get the shocks delivered within the first four minutes for the best chance of survival. Can you give us a couple of examples in the community where the use of AEDs have saved a life and have made a difference? Yes, and in fact, here in Florida, one of our former candidates for the office of governor, who unfortunately did not win, but sometime thereafter, he had a sudden cardiac death. He collapsed in cardiac arrest, an AED was put on, he was immediately shocked, and returned to a fully normal functional life. In high schools, one very sad story was a high school athlete, 15-year-old, who had a sudden cardiac arrest while playing basketball, and no one could find the AED. It was locked up in a principal's office, and no one could get it. It took seven minutes for fire rescue to get there. They were not able to bring his heart back. They were not able to defibrillate and restore a pulse. On the very positive side, there, there are so many stories of survivals in those situations when someone knew to grab the AED and was not afraid to put it on and hit start. Last question, Dr. Schrank. Where can doctors go for more information for themselves and their patients about AEDs? I would highly recommend looking at the American Heart Association website at www.americanheart.org, which has links to all sorts of information about CPR and AEDs. It also has a link to 
a device called CPR Anytime Family and Friends, which is a kit that teaches CPR from a DVD set to music for your chest compression rhythms. And the public can learn CPR in 20 minutes. And if they're willing to do the extra five minutes, there's an AED training module right on that DVD. These have been used in the schools to train all the school kids, like seventh graders, learn it in school with their teacher. Don't need a CPR instructor. Your teacher can do it. And then they take the kid home at night, and mom and dad and Uncle Joe and Aunt Ruth all learn CPR so that actually dozens of people could be trained off of one little kit that has an inflatable mannequin and a DVD to tell you how to do it. This is very important for the primary care provider who's taking care of cardiology patients in his practice who have had this condition or have a potential to have a cardiac arrest. I want to thank Dr. Kathleen Schrank, who's been our guest today, and we have been discussing AEDs in the community and in the workplace. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening.